Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, the opportunity to gather this morning to worship you. And as we open up your word, we pray that you would just speak to us, challenge our hearts, help us just to focus on you this morning and truly understand what worship is as we gather and as we, uh, every Sunday, Lord, we do this, but we just don't want to do it because it's, it's tradition. We want to do it because we, we truly want to connect with you. And so help us do that this morning and hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, if you've got your Bibles, open them to Romans chapter 12 and look to the person next to you and say, are you awake? As you do that, make sure they're awake uh, this morning. I know nine o'clock, we're not used to that. So somebody said, you better be energetic this morning. So I don't know, I might like run up and down the aisles or something. I don't know, probably not. But uh, we've been in a series entitled For His Glory. We're going through the book of Romans, have been for several weeks. And so here we find ourselves in Romans chapter 12. Last week we talked about it, and, and, and really this is a kind of a two-part sermon, so if you missed last week, I encourage you to go online or podcast it um, and catch up this week, uh, because last week was part one of really how we determine God's will. Today is part two of how we really determine God's will in our life. I mean, we all want to know what God's will is. We all want to know what he wants us to do specifically, and so how do we figure that out? And we learned last week that it's not like this three-step process It's not like, you know, you can jump through this hoop, that hoop, and that hoop, and then ding, 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 you know, you get it, and God writes it on the wall or in the clouds or whatever. It doesn't work like that. It's really about a posture of our life. It's it's a lifestyle. It's how we position ourselves under God. It's how we live our life, and, 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 and it's about a posture, a lifestyle, and so it's not X, Y, and Z. It's just kind of who we have to become as we if we want to truly learn this. And so we saw the first posture is the posture of surrender. 100% surrendered to God, uh, saying to God, whatever it is that you want me to do, God, the answer is yes. Now, tell me what it is. And so that's different because we usually say, God, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. And we're looking, we're looking, we're looking. And if God will just tell me, then I'll do it. How many times have we heard that said? If God would just tell me what he wants me to do, I would do that. And so the, we need to flip that and say, God, I will do whatever you want me to do. I'm just kind of seeking and waiting for that answered prayer. So we saw that posture of surrender. We saw uh, that it's voluntary. Nobody can make you do that. We saw that it's practical. Uh, this idea of being practical is that, you know, I, he, he says to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. So offering your bodies is practical. That means you show up. That means your, your body is there. The whole idea of I'm with you in spirit, well, that's, that, that's nothing. You know, that doesn't help us. The, having a practical, we are here, ready, serving. Our bodies are here, God. And then finally, we said that it was complete. It's 100%. It's all in. And so today, I want us to continue on this train of thought and look at Romans chapter 12, uh, verses 1 to 2. Here he goes. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, By the mercies of God, or some of the NIV says, in view of God's mercies, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Let's, Let's move back, and he says, It's holy and acceptable, and he says, this is your spiritual worship. So I want to talk about worship for a moment, because he says, this is your spiritual worship, so that when we are surrendered to God, 
when, when the posture of our life is surrendered to him, then, then the next kind of movement for us is that we're able to position or posture our life with an attitude of worship. And so if you're taking notes, that'd be the second point, that, that we need to move into a posture of worship. So what is worship? Um, we, we talk about how we're going to the worship service. We're going to go to worship at this church, or we're going to worship at, at this moment or at this place. But what we've got to understand is that worship is not just the music. Worship is not, you know, just here on Sunday morning. Worship is, is who we are. It is a lifestyle. And so um, when we think about it and when we, when, we, when we really back up, we really begin to see what it truly is. And the fact is that, that, that worship is when you and I determine that something is valuable. And then when we determine something is valuable, we give our money towards it, we give our attitude towards it, we give our energy towards it, we give our attention towards it. We begin to position our life in that direction. And so whatever that thing is, is what we are worshiping. So why, let me, let me back up here. Why, why, are my, why am I preaching first? We usually sing a few songs and then, and then we you know, hear the preaching. And so we're preaching first because today we want to talk about worship we're going to preach about it, see what it is, and then at the end, when I'm finished, then we're going to have the opportunity to respond in worship. We're going to do the Lord's Supper, we're going to give, we're going to pray, we're going to do some things. Um, and so I'm excited about that, but, but what is it? What is worship? And how do we get our, our, our physical body, how do we get our attitude, our heart, our mind, and a posture that we are responding to God in worship. And I want to start with this, that everybody in this room is a worshiper. Like from the moment we were created, we were worshipers. So today is not about how to do it better or how to learn how to worship God or how to, you know, get in, do this better and get, look at it and and, and make it better in my life or in your life because we're already really, really, really good at worship because that's what we were created to do. God wired us to worship. And so when we look at worship, it's not that we've got to get better at it. We just have to begin to look at the objects that we are worshiping. So I want to start with a few pictures here. <clears throat> this is a picture of a, like a church, uh, the, the music portion of the, of the service, and people are worshiping Jesus. Now, how do you know that? Well, don't really know it, but I can look at their response and I can see that there are, you know, there are hands raised, there, there's some eyes shut, probably some praying going on, probably some thinking about Jesus going on. Uh, this guy in the middle here, he's, he's like full board. I, don't, I hope he's got a good voice because he's yelling right now for Jesus. And so, so when I think of you know, worship, this is kind of the posture that I begin to kind of think about. When I, when I personally think worship, this is kind of the first image of what worship looks like. Now, hang on just a second, guys. Don't go to the next one. But, but the, the next slide, when we look at this, if you were just to look at it, you would think, well, man, what are they doing? If you weren't a Christian or, you know, you weren't in the church world, because here's what we kind of, we kind of get into this habit that we're going to church, we're going to worship. And if you, if you were to go to work tomorrow and say, well, my pastor, he talked about worship. And, and the first thing they're going to think of when they, when they hear you say that is, okay, worship, stained glass windows, religion, God, 
singing, worship, music. And so what we have to do is we have to back up and say, no, 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 that's not really what worship is. Worship is whenever we find something that is valuable and, and we begin to, with our lives, posture ourselves under it and serve it and love it and give money towards it. This is worship service. This, when you first look at this, now this isn't always worship, but this could be worship. So, so let me hear, not a bad thing, but could be worship depending on who you are. Because if you think about it, if, if you're giving more money to a university than you're giving to God, there could be a worship issue. If your time and energy and thought life is given more towards an athletic event, more than to Jesus, then there could be a worship, object, idol, issue in your life. Now, we know this is false worship because they're Gator fans. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <sighs> That's why, oh gosh. I've gotten like two applause ever in worship, in, in like preaching, and, and it's because of this. Okay, let's go to the next slide. <clears throat> okay, this is a Hindu uh, experience where they will dress these young virgin girls up to uh, look like a, a, a Hindu goddess. Um, and so then these grown adults, men and women, will come before them bringing offerings there and, and they will pray to those girls and, and essentially worship them. They will pray to them, worship them, bow down to them, bring them an offering. So we look at that and we think, well, man, that's, that's messed up. I mean, that's messed up worship. Obviously, we don't worship other people. I mean, we worship God. We don't worship people. And then you kind of look at this image and you think, well, wait a minute. In our culture, there is a lot of people worship taking place. This is Justin Timberlake, by the way. Uh, and, and this is at the MTV Music Awards last week. And so you see outstretched hands. I want to touch. I want to I you know, be close to. In the background, screaming, yelling, energy. There is a response towards the thing that they love. And see, this is what worship is. Worship is not Sunday morning sing hymns. Worship is when our heart connects with something that we value and our body moves into motion towards it. And there is a physical response. There's a financial response. There's a time commitment involved. And our heart longs to be with it. And our heart longs to be about it. Not always worship. But very well could be. Let's take a look at the next slide. This is the Dogen African tribe, and they worship a, the, the star Sirius. And so, not Sirius Satellite, <laughs> some of you are like, like the radio station? No, like a star they worship. And so this is one of their um, uh, outfits slash ceremonial um, you know, uh, deals that they put together as they go to their church and they worship this star God. So we look at that and we think, man, that's just weird, isn't it? It's like, we, don't, we would never do that, Pastor. I mean, we would never worship a star and put weird things on our head like that. I mean, obviously, 
we're not as bad off as they are. And then we look at our culture and we're like, well, we do put on some pretty weird things. And, and, and I would imagine that if that African tribe were to see those guys, they would think, what's up with the Swiss cheese? I mean, you guys are just weird. What are you worshiping? And so we see this, and I want to I say this clear because I'm a huge sports fan, okay? So I want to be clear about this. Not necessarily worship, but very well could be. So that's a personal heart check for you today and for me. Is the position of our heart more in line with what this looks like, or is it more in line with what biblical worship looks like in, in loving and following Jesus? Let's look at one more slide. So this is a Tibetan monk, and, and he's getting tattooed with uh, some of what their scripture would write, some words and some symbols. And the reason why he's doing this, and you can see on his head he's got some there too, is because it's supposed to give them blessing and peace from their God, and it's supposed to you know, be this presence in him uh, that will protect him in life if he does this. And so we look at that and we think, bro, First of all, it doesn't look cool, you know, okay? Secondly, that doesn't look very sanitary. It's like a spear with, like, ink poured on it with a lot of, you know, where where are the rubber gloves at, you know? So we're obviously looking at this thinking this guy is, is missing the point. He's doing this for his religion, for his God, right? It's weird, isn't it? Look at our culture. <laughs> I mean, we'll... We'll take the thing that we value, the thing that we love, the thing that we're committed to, and we'll make it a religion. And we won't have a pastor of that religion, man, but we'll mark up our bodies because that is the very thing that we love. That is the very thing that our heart connects to, that our heart worships at the end of the day. So, my point today, you can take that off. I think I'm done with all those. I think there's another one, but we're not going to go there. I think I made my point. Like, we don't have to talk about being better at worship. What we have to talk about is changing the objects of our worship. Because some of us are worshiping Little League. Some of us are worshiping hobbies. Some of us are worshiping the almighty dollar. And then we show up on Sunday and pretend that we worship God. And it's like it doesn't work that way. When you are surrendered to Jesus, then all these other things are in check. And if every, anything ever gets in balance, and if anything ever takes our heart's affection and attention towards something other than Jesus, more so, then there needs to be a gut check, a spiritual check. There needs to be some time of repentance and turning back to Jesus. And that's what today is about. I'm, you don't have to get better at worship. You're awesome at it. I am awesome at it. And from the very creation of mankind, God wired us to be a worshiper. And the longing of our heart and soul is to find something that we value, to find something that we can hold on to and love and, and put posters up on our walls when we're a kid. And man, looking for these pictures, the pictures are endless in our culture of the, of the athletes that we worship, of the entertainers that we worship, whether singers or movie stars. And, and no, we're not like, you know, we're not going to church to sing to them, but everything else in our life points to the fact that we worship 
people. Because they can do something well. Whether athletically or their voice is good or they're cool or whatever. And so for us today, we want to realize that worship is our response. And you and I are good at it. And you and I are excellent at it. And you and I need to think about our heart today. What in fact are we truly worshiping. If you've got your Bibles, I hope you do, flip over to Acts chapter 17. I want to read a few verses here in Acts chapter 17. Paul goes to a city called Athens, a very large city, popular city, a lot of culture in this city, a lot of Greek philosophers in this city. So talking about religion, talking about worship, talking about God is a very common thing here. Their hearts are going towards Uh, Many gods, in fact, Paul finds that they have so many idols that they make one idol for a god just in case they left out one. Let's read it. So Paul, verse 22, actually 17. So Paul, standing in the midst of the Aragopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. So he's perceiving that they are very religious. Religious. What that means is, I can see that you are worshipers. I can see that you find things that you love and you, you find things of value and your heart's affection and attitude races toward it. You think about it, you love it, you spend time with it. I can see that you're very religious. Paul might walk up and down the halls of our culture today and say, I can see that you're very religious because of the sporting world or because of the entertainment world. Verse 23, for as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found as an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. So he sees all these idols down the hallway and all these idols are, and images are up and, and they're all titled the sun God, the star God, you know, and, and, and on and on they go. And then he comes to the very end and they're like, well, just in case we've forgotten one, we don't want to offend any of these gods. Just in case there's one out there that we haven't figured out or we haven't thought of. We don't want to make him mad, so we're going to go ahead and make an idol for him. And then we're just going to name him the unknown one because we don't know him yet. That's what's going on here. So he finds this altar and he says this. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. So Paul is getting ready to go into throwdown mode. You know, he's like the, the sermon preaching machine of the century. It's getting ready to happen, you know. It's like, I wish I could have just watched this whole thing. And, and he says, The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man. Sometimes we say, well, this is God's house. God does not live in a building. He lives within us. God is is everywhere present. You know, these walls aren't holy. God makes us holy. He says God is not living in temples. That's why worship doesn't just happen here. You don't have to come here to worship. You worship in your car on the way to work. You worship when you are talking about your faith at work. That's an act of worship. Worship is when you're at home and you're clicking buttons on your computer to online give. That's an act of worship. You know, worship is not just at church. Worship is an opportunity for us every day, no matter where we're at. Because God's not just in temples made by man. He's not in buildings. He's in people. Verse 25, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything. So we're talking about game plan. And it's like, 
You know what? God has a plan for us. And it's like God doesn't need me to pastor this church. He doesn't need you as if he needed us to accomplish his will in, in this city, in this area. He doesn't need us. He's going to do and, and will do what he wants to do. That's why we go back to this idea that, that look, it's our opportunity. And I don't want to miss it. I want to be with him. I want to follow him. No matter what it costs, I want us as a church to be there and to go there and to do what he's asking us to do. Not because God has to have us or he needs us. Because if we don't, we miss the blessing and the opportunity to know Jesus on a deeper level. doesn't need anything since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything And he goes into and he begins to say that he made from one man every nation. He talks about Adam and he goes through the entire gospel. People accept Christ and it's an incredible passage of scripture. My point to you is yet again, you and I are worshipers. We're great at it. Paul's experiencing it here. He would experience it in our time and in our day and in our age today. And so our objects of worship need to change today. And so coming to this moment and coming to this posture of worship starts with surrender. And then it moves into this posture of true, authentic worship. And so when we think of worship in this setting, when we sing hands raised, is, should be very common. Coming, sitting at your, you know, in your chair, coming into these front areas that we've designated as you know, opportunities for you to pray should be a common practice. Grabbing your spouse and saying, let's go pray. Not because there's a problem, because we want to worship. Prayer is an act of worship. So we worship together here. So we want to encourage that. We want to see that when we give, that's an act of worship. Authentic worship is what we're after. So your spiritual act of worship to Jesus is first to surrender to him And then we surrender to him as an act of worship. We are living a lifestyle of worship. And then we're ready for the next one, which is to commit to being changed by him. Let's look at it. Verse 2, again, it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Do not be conformed to this world. Don't be conformed to this world. You see, in our mind, we want to conform so quickly. We want to conform because we want to be accepted. We want to conform so that we can have friends. We want to conform so we don't stand out like the oddball. But the Word of God says, don't be conformed. And so when it says the world, it means the philosophies of the world, the the teaching of the world, the mentality of the world, which is a me first, do whatever you want. Go wherever you want. You know, just live your life and make yourself happy. It's your world. Just be yourself. And, and, and that philosophy, he says, don't be conformed to that because that is anti-Jesus. It is anti-the Bible. Conforming is where we get uh, our word schizo. It's where we, we, we get this picture, and they would have used this word to describe an actor who um, at that time, they would have played, one person would have played several parts. And so um, they would hold up the mask, and the mask would be here, and he would you know, play act and do this, his part here. And then he would pick up the other one and come back in, and he would be a different person. And so that idea of conforming and being, being, being uh, uh, somebody who acts or play acts or somebody who is not themselves is, is the idea here. And, and so many of us, in the Christian world, 
put on a mask and go to church and put on a mask and to be a, a Christian dad or brother or sister or mother. And he says, don't do that. Don't be conformed like that. Don't be somebody that changes back and forth and, and you're, you're this way with this group of people and then you're this way with that group of people. And some of you in this room that are kind of dealing with that and going through that, you're miserable. You can't keep up with yourself. You don't know who you are. That's why you're frustrated. That's why you're like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. That's why you're lost. He says, don't be conformed to that way. Instead, he says, be transformed. It's where we get our word metamorphosis. It's where we understand that Jesus changes us. He transforms us. And that's what we're after, an attitude and, and a posture of, of God change me. See, we want our, our nature is we don't want to be changed. We want to be the same. I don't want change. Don't preach before the music pastor. Do the music and then preach. You're freaking me out, you know. Don't go to two services. Let's just stay. You know, we don't like change. And that's just kind of, that's just, some of us are afraid of it. Some of us are uncomfortable. You're so uncomfortable today. It's like, ugh. Because we're not, we don't like change. But, but the whole idea of following Jesus and growing closer to Jesus means that you got to change. If you don't change, you're not growing. If you're not changing, then God is not changing you. You are not getting closer to him. He says, I don't want you to conform to the world you should be transformed, metamorphosized. I think that's a word. <laughs> and he says, here's how you do that. By the renewing of your mind. So how do you get transformed? I got saved, pastor. I prayed, you know, the sinner's prayer. I got baptized. I didn't get metamorphosized. I didn't get, you know, transformed. How do you do that? And he says, by the renewing of your mind. You see, what's the first thing we do when we want to break a bad habit? We try to, you know, quit it. You know, I'm just going to make a commitment and I'm going to mean it this time and I'm not going to do it anymore. And so we try to just cold turkey, you know, stop the habit. Um, or if we're, if we're feeling a certain way, we want to stop feeling that. I don't want to be unhappy or, or maybe I'm depressed. I feel depressed. And so it's like, I don't want to be depressed. Stop, stop being depressed. Be happy, man. And smacking yourself. Just be happy. That doesn't work very well, does it? It's like you can't really change your feelings. Feelings are a result of what we think. When we read the Bible, we see that from our mind is, is, is really kind of who we become. And so that's why the Bible talks about the renewing of our minds, the changing of our mind, to put on the new mind in Ephesians. And out of our mind, uh, the Bible says, uh, as a man thinketh, so he is. I just went King James Version on y'all at 9 a.m. As a man thinketh, what? As a man thinks, translate that, so he is. And so it's from our minds that we feel. So if we want to change the way that we feel, if we want to be changed by Jesus, we don't just go into feelings and habits. What we, our habits and our actions are a result of what we are thinking. So we've got to back up. We've got to dig in a little bit deeper and be transformed in our mind. And so what I think is what results in my actions and what results in my feelings. And so I can't make myself be happy. I can't make myself stop being depressed. I've got to go to my mind and say, Jesus changed my mind. I've got to change the way I think. Let me give you one quick example. So if I think that I'm, you know, let's go to self-image because a lot of people deal with this. 
So my self-image is I, I don't, I'm not attractive enough. You know, I'm not thin enough. I'm, you know, I'm not ripped enough. And, and so my hair's not the way that it needs to be. And, you know, my, my face isn't the way that I want it to be. And so as a result of all that, then we begin to think that we're not as pretty or as handsome or whatever. We're not good enough you know, and so that insecurity builds. And so then, out of that mentality, then I begin to make decisions. Uh, who am I going to hang out with? I can't make them because I don't fit there. And then I would go for that job, but I'm not good enough for that job. I would do this, but, I, you know, they wouldn't accept me. And so out of that thought pattern of I'm not good enough, we begin to make decisions, don't we? And we begin to think a certain way about ourselves, and that results in behaviors and all kinds of, of, of messes. So if we want to Get that resolved. We go to the transformation and the renewal of our minds and how we think about ourselves. And so I want to read scripture and I want to understand who God says that I am, that I'm redeemed, that I'm loved, that I'm his child. And so all of these you know, look, looks and appearance things is, is me conforming to the world's image of what success looks like. And instead... I need to transform that mentality and understand what Jesus says success is. Transforming our mind. One more verse here. Uh, in Psalms, it says this, 119.9. How can a man keep his ways pure? Question mark. How, do, how does that happen? He says, by living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So how do we not sin against him? We hide his word in our heart. How do, we, how do we transform our minds? We hide his word in our heart. We know God's word. We're in God's word. We read God's word. We apply God's word. That's why being in church is so important. It's why small groups are so important. Because as we hear God's word and learn God's word and apply God's word, our thinking begins to change. Our mentality begins to change, and as we change the way that we think, our behaviors change, our attitudes change, and listen, our feelings change. Transforming our mind. Then he says that by testing, look at it again, renew of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is. That by testing, any teachers in the room? How, how you find out what your students know. How do you find out if your students learned what you've been teaching? You test them. Give the test. And as long as nobody cheats, you find out what they know. See, when God tests me, when he tests you, it's not because he doesn't know um, what I'm going to do. Of course he knows what I'm going to do. Testing is not for his benefit. He doesn't test me to see what I know. He already knows what I know. Because God is sovereign. He already knows what I know. He already knows what I'm going to do. So testing isn't for God's purpose. Testing is for my purpose. Testing is for your purpose. Because your spiritual act of worship, when you are tested in this lifetime, then you are able to see who you worship. You are able to see who you have surrendered to. You are able to find out if your heart is completely committed to Jesus or is it committed to to someone or something else. You see, worship is our response. Let's keep reading. Then you'll be able to discern God's will. 
So all of this, and then you'll be able to discern God's will. So there's the posture of surrender. There's the, the posture of worship. Then there's the posture of being changed by him. And as I do this, God tests me. I learn, and then I'm able to discern what his will actually is. And it says that his will is good, it's acceptable, and it's perfect. That's a pretty good deal, man. See, how many of us have thought at one point in our life that if I commit to God, if I follow God, then he's going to make me miserable, unhappy, and alone. It's like, it's like God is just this mean guy. He's gray-haired and old, and he's bent over, and he's got a cane. And as soon as I commit to him, he's going to smack me in the head with his cane and make me miserable. What? That is a complete lie. I've fallen for that lie. I don't know about you. But I thought that growing up, I've thought that for years, that man, it's just not going to be fun. It's not going to be enjoyable. And he says, no, 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 God's will in your life, it is good, it is acceptable, and it is perfect. Doesn't say that everything is always going to have 100% health and then you know, nobody's going to hurt or pain. But here's what it says, it's going to be good. It's going to be, some translations say, pleasing. It translates that word acceptable as pleasing and perfect. See, it's the perfect will for you. It is good for you. It's acceptable. It's pleasing in our life. When we commit fully to Christ, it is not a bummer, man. It is a, a, the ride of the century. It is, life is so much better. Marriage is so much better when I'm committed and following Jesus. Here's a couple of things about God's will. First of all, practically speaking, God's, most of God's will has already been revealed in here. So if we're like running around trying to find out what God wants in this world, most of it's already revealed. So we don't have to wait around and we don't have to wait for God to tell us to do something. He's already told us to do millions of things. We just have to read it and follow it and do it. The other thing is God's never going to tell us, me personally, to do something that's contrary to his word. So some people say, I feel like God is calling me to do this or to do that. And then you read the Bible and you're like, no, God actually says that's, a, that's wrong. That's a sin. You, God's not contradicting himself. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to give you an opportunity to respond today. And because we're in two services, we've got a little bit more room to do this. We're going to sing a couple of songs. And as we sing, <clears throat> this is your opportunity to worship. Hands raised, eyes closed, prayer. We want to see us respond because when we, when we worship God, we respond to him. Two ways we're going to do this. <clears throat> First of all, the Lord's Supper is up here. And as we remember the death and sacrifice that Christ paid for us on the cross, we're going to remember him by taking the bread, taking the juice this morning. And you're going to do that on your own. So like as we're singing, we're just going to move around you guys come and get it when you're ready. The Bible says that there needs to be a time of confession and prayer. You pray on your own. You confess on your own. You take it on your own. We also have four giving stations in the back of the room, those big silver things with signs that say giving station. We're going to do this this morning. That is just, we're not going to pass the baskets. We're just going to say it's your opportunity to respond. Just to help us kind of view that as we are giving today, as we give to God and his church and his ministry and his work, it's an act of worship. 
So we're going to do both of those things as we sing, as we pray, and you got to do it all on your own. I'm not going to tell you when or how. You just, you just do it. If you got a connect card, prayer request on there, put it in the giving box as well. That's how we'll collect those today. No matter what's going on in your life, if you need Christ today, we have counselors here. They will be ready at this door to my left, to your right, to talk with you and pray with you. If you want someone to pray with you, they'd be glad to do that as well. No matter what it is, we want to respond to him this morning. And this is how we're going to close. Let's pray.